So we've been discussing the idea that if a woman gets property while she's married, so we have two considerations to keep in mind. We need to, on the one hand, protect her principle to make sure that she gets back um, that property in as good shape as possible when she leaves the marriage in the event of a death or divorce. On the other hand, since there's a husband who's got rights to the payros, the output of that um, property, we have to also try to ensure that he gets um, a reasonable return on equity, that he gets he gets output and, you know, something to show income. He gets income. So we have to take both those into consideration, her principal protection and his income. Now, that being the case, um, our missionary says, Naflula avadim ushfachos zikenim. What happens if she inherits elderly slaves? So that means that they can do a little bit of work. The cost of maintaining them is less than the amount of work they can deliver, but not much more. And of course, um, because they are elderly, they are going to be dying sooner or later, and therefore um, their value will drop down to zero. So the din will be yimachru, they should be sold. Now, what does it mean they should be sold? Um, and then v'yilakach behen karka, you'd use the proceeds from the sale to purchase land, v'ochel peros, like we saw in the previous Mishnayos, and then he would enjoy the output of that land while they're married. The idea here is that, on the one hand, um, we need to ensure her principles protected. And these aged slaves... Um, are, you know, a depreciating asset, soon will be worth nothing um, when they can't work anymore, when they die, and therefore our principal will be gone. And therefore we want to protect our principal by liquidating the asset um, and then for, and using the money to purchase something that has a stable value, like land. Uh, similarly, from his perspective, um, while these slaves can do some work, it's not much, and uh, it's not enough to justify um, their cost necessarily. And therefore... Um, relative to his other options, what he could do with this money. And therefore, um, we want to, again, um, convert the value of what's left in these slaves, something that will actually produce output, and he'll get a better return on his equity. He'll get more income for that same amount of of, of value. Now, um, so the point there of our Mishnah is, therefore, that either party can insist that the slaves are sold. Um, if both agree to keep the slaves, then more power to them. But he can insist the slaves are sold so he can get more income, more value from the output for now, more income. And she can insist that the slaves should be sold if she wants to unilaterally because she wants to protect her principal. Both those are, either one can force the other to, to a sale. Rabban Shimon Gamliel Omer Lo Timkor. Rabban Shimon Gamliel says, no, she can't be forced to sell those slaves. Because they are uh, a testament to the honor of her father's home, meaning the fact that a, a, a proxy, a measure of a, the stateliness, the, stat, the stature, the economic stature of a family is measured in part by how many slaves they had in the time of the Mishnah, and the fact that she has these slaves, even if they're aged slaves, the point is it's a testament to the fact that her her family was an established, aristocratic, or whatever, wealthy family who could afford these slaves, and therefore there are certain things that are worth more than than money, and that's covered honor. Um, and that being the case, says the Mishnah, since it's a it's an honor to her, it's her covered to be able to sort of as like have these like trophy slaves, if you will, that show from where she came. So she 
she could say, I don't want to sell these slaves, even though he wants to sell them. The point is, and the Tanakama held, either side could force the other to sell the slaves to get money, um, to invest in real estate and then have output. So Rabbi Shem Gamliel says, no, even if he wants to sell the slaves to get their output, so she can say, no, I want to keep the slaves because the kavod they confer to me and my family um, is worth more than the principal protection, and therefore he just will have less return on his equity because he'll have just the sort of the minimal output that these slaves are able to produce. The halach is like Rabbi Shem Gamliel, that indeed... Um, her, cov- her family's covered can be more important than the protection of her principal, and therefore she can refuse to sell the slaves. Very similarly, naflo la zesim ugafanim zakanim. If she inherits aged olive trees or aged grapevines, that again, they do produce olives or grapes, but really um, they're not producing how they used to, and therefore, um, relative to the cost it, there is to maintain these plants, um, the return is not really great. So the din is yemachrula etzim. Um, the din is they should be sold for wood. V'yilakach behem karka. And the proceeds from the sale of the wood should be used to purchase land. V'hu ochel peros. And while they're married again, he will enjoy the output of that land. The point here again, so much of the first part of the Mishnah is that um, either side, he or she, can insist that the trees get sold. Um, because um, she wants to protect her principal, they're aging, or she or he wants to get better return on his equity, more more income, therefore he wants to sell them and get the money to buy something else, you know, the, the cherry orchard, whatever the story is. So both can force the other. Either can force the other. Rabbi Huda Omer, Lo Timkor, Rabbi Huda says, no, she can't be forced to sell her, her olive or trees or grapevines. Because they are a testament to the honor of her father's home. Again, similar to the case of the slaves, if she has, you know, fancy olive trees and grapevines to show from that she got from her father, that's a testament to their stature, and um, she wants to maintain that covet, which is more important to her than the principal protection, and since they're hers, she can say, no, I'm not selling them, I'm keeping them. Now, this machlokus um, only exists where she inherits the plants, but doesn't own the ground attached to them. In that case, there's a machlokus, um, if she owns the land as well, so she inherits an olive grove or a vineyard full of grapevines, even if those the vineyard has aged grapevines or the grove has aged olive trees, it doesn't matter. Then everyone agrees that she can't be forced to sell them um, because, A, certainly it's a testament to her father's household. It's only a question if it's trees without land, but trees plus land is, is a great, you know, trophy asset, and um, so she can't be forced to sell it. And on top of that, anyways, it's land. So even if these grapevines do need to ultimately, you know, be replaced by new ones because they got too old to produce properly, so the land is still there to hold the value. So everyone agrees in such a case, she can't be forced to sell um, this aged olive grove for like a younger one, let's say. Now, who's in charge of watering the plants pruning them, putting up, you know, gates to protect it from people coming in, etc., etc. The answer, of course, is the husband. While the pro- property belongs to her, the maintenance of this property um, falls on the shoulders of the husband, which is why, for example, if um, she inherits slaves, so the feeding of the slaves, the housing of the slaves, all are his responsibility. And that being the case, um, the output from the slaves, meaning like the slave, not just the 
not the peros, meaning that will work. But if let's say this, he, she has a slave girl who has a slave baby, so he would own the slave baby because he's responsible for feeding and clothing, etc. So same goes with the olive grove that she inherits. He has to water it, fertilize it, prune it, etc. It all falls on his shoulders. Of course, he gets the benefit of the olive harvest and selling the olives. But the question is, what happens when they get divorced? Can she say, listen, I want to be now reimbursed for the olives you ate? Of course not. Can he ask, I want to be reimbursed for the expenses that I laid out to put in the sprinkler system and the fence and pay for their fertilization and the pruning? So the answer essentially is no, he can't. Um, the general principle, as the Mishnah says, is Masha Achal Achal, whatever he benefit he got, whatever he consumed while they were married, that's his, she can't get reimbursed. And Masha Hotzi Hotzi, whatever he expended, his expenses, they can't be reimbursed. Um, he laid them out, he doesn't get them back. And the rationale is that when he laid out that money, he did it um, like Batoras Matana. He did it, you know, will, willingly and like sort of magnanimously. Um, and he didn't ex- demand or expect to get reimbursed. And that being the case, says the Mishnah, if the husband incurs expenses um, to maintain or improve even um, the property of his wife, the Nechsim Malug, like the say, the olive grove that she inherited, it doesn't matter if he spent a lot of money and only got a little bit of output, he just enjoyed like one olive harvest, or Kima, he spent very little, but he ended up getting a great benefit from all the output from this this orchard, or grove, whatever story it is, Masha Hotzi Hotzi, Masha Achal Achal, whatever he expended, he expended, it's gone, and he can't get reimbursed, Masha Achal Achal, whatever he consumed, he got the benefit of, and she doesn't have any claim against him for that. Uh, Period. Um, This is in contrast to, let's just say that um, I'm confused regarding where the property line is between my field and your field. And I start doing, um, you know, I put in a sprinkler system, which is, I think it's for my trees on my field, but actually the truth is the sprinklers really benefit your trees and not for me. I, I made a mistake. They really are your trees and I've installed sprinklers for your trees. So what's the din? The din is um, that I can get reimbursed for my expenses, my direct expenses um, for the cost of the sprinklers themselves. I can't get reimbursed for the labor, for the time, but the actual out-of-pocket expense, I can't get reimbursed for. Um, and the truth is, to be more specific, I actually can get reimbursed for the lesser of either A, the actual cost of the sprinklers, or B, the value that they gave to you. In other words, the assumption is, if I install sprinklers, that's in the cost $100, you're getting more than $100 of value because there's also the labor of going to buy the sprinklers, install the sprinklers, set them up, etc. It improves your field. Um, but if hypothetically I bought really, you know, inappropriate sprinklers, which didn't really help you very much, even though I spent a thousand bucks on them, I can't ask you to reimburse me more than the value you got from the sprinklers that you now have. Okay. That does not apply under normal circumstances when it comes to the husband and wife because we're assuming that he is not... Um, He's not able to reclaim, you know, the the value because he didn't lay anything out, and he, he it was a deal. He was, you know, implicit was he is investing in the asset, but he's getting the benefits. Um, however, if he got nothing out of it, says the Mishnah, achal. If he expend all this money um, to improve her property, but then they got divorced before he got any benefit whatsoever, um, says the 
the Gemara says essentially he has some, even some tiny benefit. You know, he just got to sit down to have one meal to one fig or something in his house, that kind of thing. That's enough. One fig in his house is enough, um, or a dinar's worth of whatever, a minimal amount. If you've got even the least amount of benefit, so then the rule is masha achal achal, masha hotzi hotzi, no one has claim on the other. But if you've got absolutely no benefit and he had expenses, so then the rule is yishava kamahotzi v'yitol. He takes a, he swears, he takes an oath. He says, I swear that I laid out a thousand bucks on the sprinklers to improve her field. I got nothing out of it whatsoever. And I want to be reimbursed. And based on that oath, she will reimburse him the thousand uh, that he laid out. Now, the idea is that it's difficult to know in the time of the Mishnah to keep track of exactly how much um, was expensive and have like, you know, receipts like today. And you couldn't look on your, you know, on Amazon, see exactly how much, you, you know, your past orders. It's hard to know. So that being the case, um, since it's not exactly necessary records, anything that he could prove, you know, with documentary evidence or witnesses or something, so he can just um, take an oath. This is a heavy-duty shvua. It's a shvua midurabana, and it's rabbinic in nature, but it's done in the same format as a doraisa oath, meaning what he's going to do is he's going to have the kitas chayfetz. He'll hold the sefer Torah, or it's fill in his hand, and basically he says, as much as I believe in Hashem, I believe that I laid out a thousand bucks, and based on that, on that his, um, his oath, so then she will pay him a thousand bucks. Now, important. Number one, like we said in the, the case of the person improving his neighbor's backyard, if he truthfully laid out a thousand bucks, but she only got $500 worth of value because he put in a stupid sprinkler system, which isn't appropriate or doesn't work properly or whatever the story is. So then of course, even though he laid out a thousand bucks, she only has to pay him at most the 500 in value because that's all the value she got, not more than that. So it's definitely the lesser of the two. Um, more than that, if she disputes how much he laid out, you know, it's he's saying he laid out a thousand. Um, and he has to swear and he can get the thousand. He can't just do that without, if she disagrees. If she disagrees, that's not true. You do not lay a thousand. That's just totally a lie. So then, um, instead what happens is she will take an oath that it wasn't more than, you know, at all events, she knows for sure it wasn't more than $600 that he laid out. And then when she says that oath, then she'll only have to pay 600. So she will, if it's not disputed, he gets to swear and then she'll pay him. If it is disputed, she swears how much the, Max it could have been, and then she'll pay she'll pay that much and uh and not more than that.